think everything's changed. I know I've changed. You know, a friend of mine asked me before I got here, just when we were all shipping out, he asked me, why are you going to fight somebody else's war? What do you all think, you're heroes? I didn't know what to say at the time, but... If you asked me again, I'd say no. I'd say there's no way in hell. Nobody asks to be a hero. It just sometimes turns out that way. What's up and welcome back to another episode, a brand new season even, of Rotten Potatoes, a podcast where four friends sit around and review movies that you absolutely should have seen already, but at least one of us hasn't. My name's Tyler and I'm here with three of my best friends. What's up? I'm Scott. I'm Jake. I'm Zach. And uh, guys, I gotta say, I am so excited to be here in season five with you. I never thought we'd make it this far. I was far. just gonna say, <laughs> who, who would have thought? You know what? I thought we would make it until the day Zach had children and we're past that. Yeah. So, we, like, we made it yeah, we're in bonus time now. I didn't have a set number of seasons. I thought we were going to get, I just thought that the day Zach's kids were born, it would end. <laughs> this is like when you're playing craps and you've already earned back everything that you had on the table. Right. And now everything additional is just extra money that you're taking in. Oh yeah. Was it always me? Even back in 2020, well, you were the only one married, the only one married at that time. Now there's two of us married, but I just figured that you would probably have kids first because you were married longer. You didn't think anyone might have like an illegit illegitimate. That's no reason job. to stop the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's good fair. Point. If it wasn't planned. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> you keep going. That's yeah. valid. Yeah, because you've had like three. Yeah, no, I don't really talk about them that much because <laughs> they're not important. Yeah, but <laughs> they haven't impeded the podcast. Yeah, no, I, they're, they're, I hardly see them. Their names are uh, Blake, Evan, and Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> These Rest are in peace, the the illegitimate children that you adopted. <laughs> no, it's even less of a reason. I said, yeah, I sent him. I sent him away. <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, I have missed you guys. I've missed doing this. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. We're back. I've been looking forward to this uh, all week, actually. Really? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. But man, I'm, I'm I want work to be over and it to be Saturday. I got, I will be honest with you guys. I kind of thought this was next week until yesterday, and then I was like, "Ooh, I've got two movies to watch today." You watched two oh, you movies watched yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh that's wow. Good. But I mean, uh, this was a movie that we're we're about to review. Uh, Black Hawk Down. This is a movie I've seen so many times this is on your personal underwear list oh yeah this is definitely on my underwear list uh i mean i i had watched this within the last six months just on my own mm. so it's a movie i i know well and i felt comfortable that i could have one last minute rewatch and be be prepared you uh you were the one who said that you don't watch movies after we cover them, right? I I have not yet really done that a lot. So um, how do you feel that you're never going to watch this movie again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, I I did recently rewatch something, and I I can't even put my finger on what it was, but I felt like it was enough to like break my break my 
you know, okay. streak of, cause that, that would start to become a problem. Like I love rewatching certain movies and you know, we're up to 160 now. And if we keep going much further, I'm going to start cutting myself out of movies that I love to watch. Yeah, no, I don't think you should do it. I yeah. just, I thought it was strange that you did do that. <laughs> I, it was, it wasn't intentional, but then it became like sort of, I guess, intentional. And then I've, I've since decided that that's a, a stupid idea. Well, what about that process of like having watched it for the podcast and talked about it makes it inaccessible? Yeah. I think for me, it was a little bit like, well, a, like in our lore, you know, once a movie's been, in the books, it's, it's it, gone. It's yeah, gone. You know, it's just it doesn't exist existence. anymore. No, but that's not really the reason why. Which is unfortunate because then we release that to the public, and then they're like, <laughs> well, "Has any idea what movie we're we talking so about?" So few listens. We're, we're the guy in that movie who's the only person who remembers the Beatles, right? Oh yeah, yeah. right. What movie is that? I don't even know. It's what called it's Yesterday. Called. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think what it was, to be honest, is it's like I I felt like all the things that I could think or feel about that experience had been like communicated out to the world. And so there was nothing left for me. Mm. Like it was sort of like, uh, like, well, everything that, that I would think has been thought and said and spoken out into the world. And it just made me lose interest in watching it again. Like, um, but like I said, I can't remember what movie it was, but I recently broke that. Oh, it, I know what it was. It was a few good men. That's a good movie. And uh, yeah, it's just such a good movie. And I watched it again and I was like, you know what? No, I, I still have unique feelings and thoughts about this. Like I, I can get over it. Mm. Yeah. A few good men's uh, number seven right now in our top 10. Still in our top 10. Yeah. That's a season one movie. Four seasons later. Yeah. I wonder if we will even be able to break into the top 10 at this point. Probably. I think, uh, so. I think so. We have two sub 90 movies in there. <clears throat> Zodiac, can you- Zodiac and Braveheart are nine and oh, ten braveheart is that's another first season movie that that's ready to be if kicked if we dethroned. go another four years zach we can pick the iron claw that's true that'll definitely <laughs> that's true yeah. um is Scott, that a movie i would like uh probably not uh, <laughs> because the only way movies get into the top 10 is if i also like that that's true i've destroyed a couple top 10 movies by ranking mm-hmm. them poorly yeah yeah no yeah we're aware we're very uh, aware. north by northwest i rated not great and it's number 11 <laughs> <laughs> i i think that you would like the iron claw you think yeah i do think so because you don't like bummer movies either and you even said yourself that you really loved this one that's true yeah, and mm-hmm. Scott might be more into bummer movies than I am. And I think I've I've he said is, this. Yeah, I've said this to a couple people too when I recommend this movie. Is that it's like I don't really know. I don't always know how I feel about um, entirely fictitious movies that are really like overly sad. Sometimes that almost feels a little like, what's the point? Like, it's like what put on? Yeah, like why why are you doing this to me? But if it's a true story and it's as sad as this one is. Um, I find that really compelling, and I think that Scott would be the same way. The fact that it's a true story and that these are uh, experiences that like real people lived through, I think is really compelling. Yeah, and Scott tends to Scott tends to like sad movies definitely more than you, Jake. And also, uh, Scott does like uh, biopics, and he really likes Zac Efron. Oh, do you? Yeah, Scott's a big Zac Efron fan. He's told me that a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He loved the Baywatch remake. I haven't seen it, actually. 
He got, oh, gotta well, get you, get you, get you, get you ahead in the game. I man. haven't seen any of the High School Musicals. So. <laughs> You've never seen a single one, no. really? I I wish I could still say that. I knew it made me. You watch. can nominate them for this pod if uh-huh. you you didn't watch them, Jake. You didn't watch them back when they came out. No, I thought with your sisters maybe you. No, would've. Molly liked them a lot. I never watched them, but we did have a High School Musical karaoke game, and I did sing that Uma Numa 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 Apua uh, song a bunch because uh, that's kind of fun to say. <laughs> Um, but that's all yeah, I, got. I don't even know what that what you just said. <laughs> I don't either. even think it's from the first one. <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. It sounds uh it sounds like some some pretty heavy uh like cultural appropriation. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. You know, actually Tisdale sings it. <laughs> I think, so I think number two was a little heavier on the cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. The only one I've seen is number one. Uh and it's a garbage movie. Oh yeah, it's terrible. I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, it's terrible. I think honestly some of the ones that are going to be harder to dethrone are the bottom 10. Oh yeah. Like, I don't know if we'll ever get something worse than child's play. No, I, I can't imagine. I would love, if we didn't do it last year, we're not going to do it. I would love though, to be able to push footloose out of the bottom 10. That would be, you nice. you had a good <laughs> chance with the fast year, but only two fast movies made it into the bottom 10. Uh, too fast and too furious kind of screwed me. I think, yeah. I think saw, I think there's a chance saw could end up in our bottom. It's That's possible. True. Yeah, it's it's very I would say likely, although I don't want to replace my entry with another one of my <laughs> entries. That would be yeah. less fun for me. But, you know, well, uh, we for this episode, our, our first our first step back in season five, I wanted to pick a movie like I kind of mentioned earlier that that I love a lot. Uh, Black Hawk Down. Uh, you know, this was a movie that came out, uh, it was actually finished before September 11th. A lot of people don't maybe know that or realize that they had finished the movie. Um, but they released it, um, you know, after September 11th and it was a, it was a very, like, I remember so vividly at the time, it was a very galvanizing, uh, movie in like American culture at the time. Uh, because, you know, September 11th had just happened. We had just uh, sort of reinvaded Iraq and invaded Afghanistan. Um, and our, we were recruiting a lot of young people uh, into the military. And I, I think it was a, like, it was, it was really an effective movie at, at that recruiting effort because, you know, it kind of shows the, not only the, the heroism that Americans are capable of, but also the, the stakes of what we're up against, you know, what that really looks like, what combat really looks like at the time. And it was a, it was a really galvanizing movie and I've watched it a ton over the years. Uh, and so I was excited to be able to pick Black Hawk down. Thank you, Scott, for finally telling me that you hadn't really sat down and watched the whole thing once through. So, uh, yeah, but before we get into, uh, everybody's takes and, uh, well, actually, I guess we'll we'll do some, uh, maybe some takes first. Uh, who, you want to do takes before the? Uh, let's no. I guess let's go do. <laughs> I forget what we do. It's yeah, we do. It, we back. do. We we we'll, we'll do we'll do just the facts, okay. and then we'll do the takes. That's it's what we usually do. Okay. Uh, and I did promise the patrons same thing. So. Oh, We're that's not right. It up. That's right. We yeah, can't mix yeah. it up. I just kind of forgot. It's been, yeah. I'm out of practice. No, it happens. I felt rusty. So Scott, why don't you hiss with a little bit of just the facts? Yeah. So this was directed by Ridley Scott, uh, written by Mark Bowden and Ken Nolan. It released uh, January of 2002, has a runtime of 144 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 77% and IMDb gave it a 7.7. So they were in full agreement on that one. 
um, box office of 173 million on a 92 million dollar budget, which gives it almost a 2x. It did win two Academy Awards, one for best editing and one for best uh, sound, and then it lost two others for best director and best cinematography. And it uh, it won uh, best ensemble in my heart. This is it has the hugest cast I think, <laughs> out of every movie. I, it was like the first thirty minutes, like every two minutes, I was like, "This person's in this movie." It's like it's like Lincoln, except for like less famous people that you definitely know who they are. You're like, "Is that Smalls?" Yeah, and, right. Or you know, was that the guy from Modern Family? <laughs> yeah, that's the most surprising one to me for sure. Is Phil when, when Phil Dunphy slides into a helicopter to. You know, save someone up. Yeah. <laughs> I saw him on the cast list and I still don't remember seeing him. He, he was one of the medics that came in uh, into the chopper to treat the wounds after they had re- kind of retaken the field. Okay. During the first crash. Missed him completely. The The funny thing is, is we talked about it and I told you who he was before you had even gotten to that scene and you still missed it. I still, I forgot that yeah. he was in it and I missed him still. I, I texted Zach. I was like, did you watch Black Hawk Down yet? This is the, the most insane cast, uh, like, number of people. And then I said something about him. He's like, who is he? I haven't finished the movie yet. And I was like, he's this dude. Still forgot. Mm-hmm. It was fun to see so many uh, non-Americans have to portray an American accent. Uh, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> a little bit annoyed. I was like, really? We Lucius Malfoy has to be? in uh, <laughs> the the uh, young boy Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh-huh. And then Orlando Bloom. Yeah. yeah. Orlando Bloom. Eric Bana. Eric Bana, too. This yeah. was this was actually America, er, America. Eric Bana's first uh, American movie. Really? Mm, wow. Yeah, the, this kind of broke him into... Uh, Hollywood. Hmm. Was this pre-Troy? What year did Troy come This out? was pre-Troy. Uh, yeah. Troy's 2004. Okay. I don't know if this speaks to maybe the way this movie looks, but I wouldn't have guessed that. Like, I uh, didn't I didn't know when it came out because I saw it much later. I was too young to see this in 2001. I was five. Right. Um, but I would have <laughs> guessed that this was like a late 2000s movie. Mm. When I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was pre Troy. Troy, when you watch it, it looks old to me for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was mostly practical effects. So largely, so like even like uh, like the helicopter crash, uh, like each Black Hawk down as they crash, uh, that was a real sort of landing, and they didn't switch to CGI until the rotors sort of break apart. So the rotors breaking apart was CGI, mm-hmm. but that was just really good piloting to like have a like a corkscrew landing basically um wow. yeah uh, uh like interesting but you know i don't want to derail us too much uh every single black hawk and every single little bird so all the helicopters in this movie um were actually on loan from uh joint special operations command to the movie and they were all from the 160th which was the the all those aircraft were actually well not all but most of them were actually a part of Mogadishu and every single pilot that is not an actor so all but two of the pilots in this movie were active duty at the time and were in the battle of Mogadishu so they were the actual pilots finally flying their actual aircraft for this movie that that happened in real life Mm, and one, one of the you know before Phil Dunphy slides in to the helicopter and the guy's dead and they're trying to extricate him from the helicopter. Before that happens, 
um, out at the first crash, a, a smaller helicopter comes and lands and the two guys run out and they save a pilot and Josh Hartnett kind of runs up to him and is like, Hey, you know, what are you guys doing? They're like, we got to get out of here. And he's like, okay, go, go. Those were those real pilots reenacting what earned them the silver star mm. hmm. in that battle, in that saving that guy. So they were just reenacting what they had actually done, which is kind of like pretty cool, you yeah. know, for, for a movie to be able to, to pull off. We've, we've done a few military movies, uh, some of which the military did not like, like uh, Dr. Strangelove, where the <laughs> Air Force was like, we don't want anything to do with this. Uh, this was kind of the opposite of that. They were they were very involved. I understand why they mm-hmm. felt different. About <laughs> yeah, <those two. laughs> that's true. <laughs> Although it, <clears throat> there was a, a lot of back and forth, it was very hard to get uh, the Department of Defense to green light you know, working on this movie. And so Ridley Scott had actually lined up some German Huey helicopters and had them ready to be painted black just in case DOD didn't agree to it. And it took them like a month into shooting the movie before uh, they finally agreed and sent over troops and uh, helicopters and everything like that. Mm. And Ridley Scott was super relieved because in his words, Hugh, and it is true, Huey's look nothing like Blackhawks. And so for the movie to be called Blackhawk Down and to not have a single Blackhawk in it would have been a big bummer. A big bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to they were able to pull off his vision. That seems like a really long time into shooting, considering how many shots of Blackhawks there are in this movie. Yeah. To not have them. Yeah. No kidding. Jake, this uh, you had seen this movie before, right? I'd seen this movie quite a few times, actually. Yeah. I, I saw it when I was in high school and I liked it. I particularly remember thinking that uh, Eric Bana and, and uh, Jamie Lannister were like the coolest <laughs> dudes in the movie. Uh, and I, I thought that they were awesome. And so I watched this movie a bunch of times, but I probably hadn't seen it in, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. Oh yeah. Um, and I still like it. I, it, it. It's a, it's a good watch. I think my, my critique for this is a movie, which is not, <laughs> It's hard because like, this is a real story, but it's like, it just, it feels like, you know, like you get like, you know, 45 minutes, an hour of setup and then you have just so much battle and Mm. it it, like it, I don't know. It just, it, it, like the the story of the movie is like, not, I don't know. Like it just kind of like, I'm like, man, this is a lot of fighting. I don't feel and it, it, but it, it's not fair to say like, oh, like I'm not getting like character development or these things because it's just not what the movie is. But it was a little bit harder to watch this time for me for that reason. Where I was like, man, I'm like, I'm like kind of tired. Mm. Uh, it's just so much. And it's like hard to tell what's going on sometimes. Uh, but I don't think that that's anything I can really fault the movie for because I, I don't like that's what it is and it was it, i i guess true to to what it was trying to portray but it was just the viewing experience was less good than i remembered but i still enjoyed watching it mm. zach uh what did you think watching this again you'd seen this movie before right yeah you know, so you know what going into it i feel like for all intents and purposes it's probably fairer to say i haven't seen this movie before mm. i had watched it once with like a group of friends in junior high and so i absorbed as much as like 
kid hanging out with all his junior high friends watching a war movie would. Like I when, re- I, when I watched Predator on a, a car. Yeah, right. I, like I remembered so little about this movie that I actually was surprised to find out that it wasn't about one of the wars that we fought in the Middle East. Like, that's Oh, just, wow, I, yeah. Yeah, so I, I remembered very... All I remembered was Orlando Bloom falling out of the helicopter. That's it. <laughs> um, so it, in a lot of ways, this was like a pretty uh, new experience for me. Um and, and I, I think I would say that, like, I liked it. Um, well, I was thinking about this yesterday. I respect the movie quite a bit, I would say. It was hard to say that I liked it. For all the same reasons I think that Jake just described, um, I felt very similarly, where it was um, very chaotic, at times really confusing. I think intentionally, I think that that communicates just the chaos and the, the confusion that um, a soldier would feel being in in that kind of situation um it was a very taxing watch for me um but i think that it was like an effective movie um and so it's uh, like i don't feel like it's a movie that i i think i'd be different from you tyler and that like i can't see myself coming back to watch this in a long time because it did feel like a bit of a taxing experience for me and there was a few moments in this movie that i thought were like truly horrific and i think communicated the horrors of war that i don't think i've really seen in a war movie since probably saving private ryan Mm. um but i i think that it was an effective film i think it communicated what it needed and wanted to communicate well um like jake said it it, it's a lot of warfare and so you're just kind of put through it uh you're 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 put into the ringer um or through the ringer for a long time because it's a long movie too like two and a half hours i think Mm -hmm. um but overall I, i thought it was good um i think that like technically speaking it was good um there was a few moments that really like left me just feeling kind of gutted um, so yeah, I, I would say I, it was better than I expected it to be. And from what I remember feeling about it after I watched it, you know, 15 years ago, it was, it was better than that. You know, it's funny. The, uh, I, I guess I shouldn't say funny. Um, interesting The you know, you bring up the, just how like truly intense, you know, it is at times there are certain scenes that really just hang with you. Um, and there was one scene that's always really just kind of like hung with me. Um, and it was, uh, you know, right when sort of the convoy gets really attacked hard for the first time. And there's a soldier that's sort of blown off the back of a Humvee and, and, uh, Colonel, uh, um, McKnight gets up to him and he's missing the lower half of his body. Um, and in real life, I found out years later in real life, uh, that soldier lived for two more hours Ugh. and it wasn't that he was completely cut in half. It was, he was literally only attached his upper half and lower half were only attached by his spine for those two hours. And he was mostly unconscious for those two hours, but he survived for two hours and then died. And, uh, Ridley Scott decided like he didn't think that viewers could really believe that that really happened. And so he made an, he made a decision to, to like be only half truthful to this soldier's death because he's like, uh, viewers wouldn't believe, wouldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you said that this was like a, 
a big military recruitment movie. And I can see why it would be right after 9-11. But um, I watched this and I thought, I am so glad I am not in the military. Yeah. I could never do this. This looks awful. Yeah. Like, I, it, it was the opposite for me. Yeah. Not yeah. that I was really thinking about it, but... It's funny that you say that. And I've been kind of trying to put my thumb on it. And I don't know if I fully have yet, but... <clears throat> Maybe part of it's just nostalgia, but like Saving Private Ryan was a film that like when, whenever I've watched it, mainly when I was younger, I'd always think to myself like, man, do I want to go into the military right. right after watching it? And I feel like I still at least might have like, like I could still kind of experience that sentiment a little bit, even if I'm at a place where I wouldn't actually think about doing that in my life. And this movie, I didn't feel that way at all. Like it's exactly how Jake felt was just like, man. I never want to experience this. I don't want anyone that I know and love to have to go through this. Yeah, like it. it it's funny. I was. I decided to try the the Catch Twenty Two Hulu series, and it's awful. Uh, <laughs> don't watch it if you if you like Catch Twenty Two. If you don't like Catch Twenty Two, I don't know. Maybe you'll like it. Um, but there's this scene where they're just like palling around, having a good time, like swimming in the ocean. And I thought, man, the army looks fun. And then I watched this movie like not long after that. I was like, oh, no, 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 it isn't. <laughs> Scott, let's uh, let's bring you into this. You were uh, a sort of late bloomer, kind of similar to Zach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, I know I had seen at least bits and pieces of it, but I like couldn't have told you the whole story. I just knew there was about helicopter crashes that the military went in to try to save the people. Um, and uh, there was a couple of scenes where I was like, OK, I've definitely seen this scene before. Um, specifically when the helicopter, uh, like is like already crashed and like the pilots like struggling in the cockpit as Mm. like people are running towards it. Mm -hmm. Um, that was one of the scenes that like, uh, stuck out to me. Um, but I, I, I would say I liked it better than I was expecting to. Um, cause I knew it was going to be kind of like a dark and bummer war movie. And so I was kind of expecting to have a not great time. Um, and I would say I still didn't have like a, <laughs> a great time, but uh, I thought it was uh, now that I've had some time on the pod and have watched, a, a, I would say a lot more like good movies. I can appreciate a lot of the other things that this movie executed well on besides just like the story and, and those types of things. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it had a, a lot of great um, uh, cinematography. I think like lighting and like set deck were, were fantastic. Um, and so I think the, th- the couple things for me was, yes, it was a taxing movie. Like I felt like that was something I resonated with when Zach said it just cause there was like almost no good uplifting parts. Like mm-hmm. even the uplifting parts were still kind of downers. Mm-hmm. Like when they finally like, you know, save someone, then the two people that saved him died. Right. Type of a thing. Um, and so there was just nothing glorious about this experience, which is kind of where, like, I think they were talking about, like, it, it didn't inspire them to want. There was no glory really associated with this, at least in the midst of it. Um, I think there was perhaps, and not to this movie's fault, I think a lot of these people became big after the movies, right. after this movie, but there was just so many people that, like, the parts where they were trying to build connections with the characters, I was distracted by all the big faces. You're like, but it's Tom Hardy. Uh, (laughs) But it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that, Uh that, that clip of you and McGregor? He's like telling a story or whatever. And they just put like are on him. And he's like, and I could see they were looking at me and they're like, it's F and Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that almost every time. (laughs) 
every time he was on screen. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think the movie like experience did a good job of like making the viewer feel, I would say a fraction of, but like the, probably uh, the soldiers in this movie were feeling like, who's dead? Like what happened? Like where are we at? Like, yeah. What's happening across the town? Like where we have to do what, you know, like there's a lot of confusion, a lot of just unknown on what's happening to all the people. Um, like even now, like when you said like when Orlando Bloom fell out of the, out of the helicopter, I was like, Oh, that's the guy that fell out of the helicopter. Like even uh, to this point, I was like, I didn't remember who, who it was, was that did it. Right. Uh, and even at the end of the movie, I couldn't have told you which of the big actors were alive and which of the big actors weren't besides, yeah. uh, Eric Bana and, uh, what's his name? Our main Josh, Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, I watched this with my girlfriend and I would say that she's like a Tom Hardy fan, you mm-hmm. know, like, I, like, like I feel like most people are, he's pretty big. Yeah. Uh, didn't realize that Tom Hardy was in the movie until like the end of the movie. And I was like, she, she was like, wait, who I said something about Tom Hardy. She's like, who the heck is Tom Hardy? And I was like, he's the guy that's been with the other machine gunner. And she just didn't realize it's just like, I guess it was so, I don't know. It's just hard to tell what was going on. Sometimes you see the dudes with their helmets on and then yeah. like, who got shot, who didn't get shot. It was like, he also wasn't as yoked as he is more recently. True. That's true. Yeah. true. A little skinny baby, John. He was a Tom Hardy. He was a little boy. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, you know, I started watching this with my roommate, uh, who's probably seen this movie more than I have. Like he's very, um, he's very into, uh, like his, his favorite genre is military films mm. and shows. Uh, and so he's seen this a lot and we started watching it together and, and, uh, he, at, like at the point in the base where we see uh, Nick, I, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's something like Nikolai Waldau. Oh, Jamie Lannister. Yeah. Jamie Lannister that like we get through that scene with him. And uh, I, I said to my roommate, I was like, who also loved game of Thrones. I was like, you, you know who that was. Right. And he was like, wait, what? No. Like, you know, he's a long dialogue scene. I was like, that was Jamie Lannister. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Like, it's so much so like he's seen this way more than I have, but there's so many names in this that you almost miss a lot of them. And like, mm-hmm. it, and it's so funny too. And I don't say this as a critique of the film. I think it's, it's a pro if anything, but like the confusing nature of this movie to where it's just like, as we're talking about these different actors in the movie, I'm thinking, I don't even remember what happens to Tom Hardy. Does he die? Does he like, where did he go? He makes Jamie he, Lannister he lives, as yeah. well. Like, and Jamie I, Lannister dies. He dies yeah. sad. Yeah, it's and, bad. And I, I it's have, one of the big moments. I have to imagine that there's... Uh, is it really? Wait, which one is Jamie Lannister? Jamie Lannister? So they were the, the two Delta snipers that went in to secure the crash oh, okay. when, when the pilot yeah. was still alive. He was one of the two that died. He was one of the Wait, two was that was he really? Yeah, so they remember the pilot got taken captive and then Jamie Lannister was the other guy. I remember seeing him at the beginning of the movie and thinking, there's Jamie Lannister. And then he comes back into the movie and I didn't recognize that that was yeah, still no, they, him. They were, they were, they were like... They were like killing yeah. a bunch of people. I remember yeah. that scene. I yeah. just didn't realize that that was him. What a way to That's go so to crazy. just like running out of ammo and then just getting like yeah. swallowed. So those guys, uh, uh, Gordon and Chigurh have gone down in like military, uh, like they're, they're like legends of American military. Um, and one of the guys that uh, was on Delta at the time that was a part of this battle that made it out. He's, he's become kind of a, big deal. I've read actually one of his books and I, I really loved it. Uh, a book about just leadership principles. Um, but his name's Kyle Lamb and he actually named his sons after those two snipers because like it just left such an impact on him, you know, what, what they did. 
but yeah, he he went down he went down swinging, uh, but it was a hard death to watch. Oh, it was rough. You know who I always recognized every time he was on screen? Ewan McGregor, Lucian Ma- Lucian no. Malfoy. Uh, I mean, I did recognize him, but I was going to say Tom Sizemore. Oh, yeah. 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 Do, you, just, do you not like Tom Sizemore? No, I do, but I just think it's hilarious how he's just, he's in now two of the biggest, like, war movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And as, both times, as he's an army ranger. Every, and every I, time. I he, think, I almost want to say the same character because he's always kind of just like, man, uh, I'm so annoyed to be here right now. Like, he's always so exacerbated. Uh huh. It was funny. The first time he came on screen, I was like, man, he looks great for 80. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe he's still on the military. He's always kind of just like bumbling through the... But he like... The thing just died. He's, he was... This was 20... He did, yeah. yeah. So he couldn't have been that old in this movie, right? No, no, no. He just looked bad. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying the character... If it was the same was character the same in character. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, and here. Yeah, yeah, which he dies in Saving Private yeah. Ryan. Which, which, like, it sort of tracks because he's an NCO in Saving Private mm-hmm. Ryan and he's a colonel in, in this movie. Which also, by the way, is kind of crazy to me. I don't know if, like how familiar you guys are, but it, it was it's crazy to me to think that a a colonel, which is a pretty you know pretty high rank in the military, it's it's the rank below general, um, that a colonel would be in the front Humvee in this assault. You know, like it was kind of cool. Like the the all the other colonels were nowhere near this battle. You know, but. that was I kind of when they were talking about what's Colonel, what's his name, McKnight. McKnight. I was like, oh, surely that's not Tom Sizemore because he's he's in the middle of all of it. Yeah, and then I, I had to realize who they were talking about. But he really was Colonel McKnight. Was really just in in the middle of it the whole time, and uh, yeah the the thing that I uh, the thing that I truly love about this movie is you know, is the story. I mean, I know what you mean, Jake. I I completely agree. Like it is, this movie is just in terms of war movies, this is just battle the whole time. Um, you know, and they condensed, I think it's, it it was ultimately like 18 hours of fighting into about two hours. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, crazy. It's a lot. Um, but you know, the story of this thing is, is so interesting to me because, these were, you know, our most elite soldiers at the time, you know, that, that we sent on this mission. Like, of course, you know, the army Rangers are, are, you know, they're an elite force, they're special operations. Um, but when you get into Delta and they don't show it in this movie, but seal team six was also a part of this mission. Wow. So you have Delta and seal team six, our two today, like, those are legendary names. Everyone sort of at least kind of knows that they're big deal, but they were both a part of this. And it was a sort of, it was one of the few times uh, where we had like a, a technical success that really, you know, we looked at in the moment as a failure and general Garrison, who's depicted in this, um, you know, went down in army history as being a, a real, uh, good upstanding man because he he took the the brunt of all of this he said all of this loss of life was my fault um but when you think about it and you think you know that was so tragic it was so intense and we made a whole movie about it because we lost 18 people in this battle and the somali losses were estimated between 500 and 2000 that was the the thing that they put in the end credits that I was like, that's an insane thing to skip over. 
that it was like 19 versus a thousand, I think is what they said. Like that's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> like the, like these guys, all of them, like we feel the intensity of that combat and we feel the chaos of it. And you know, it, it's hard what they went through. Um, and it is one of the most, uh, one of the most intense battles that our special operators have, have ever been a part of. Um, and it is one of the most famous because it had such a large loss of life. But yeah, when you compare it to the enemy, it's kind of crazy that these guys, you know, were able to pull that off, you know, like it's, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and the, the mission was a technical success. Like they got the asset that they went in to get, um, but it was just seen as such a loss because, yeah, they they uh, they went into a hornet's nest and, you know, it, it erupted. Kind of crazy. That was something that they did kind of sweep over, too, was like, did they get the guy? They did get the guy. Like, they didn't, like, specifically, like, address that in this movie. They had that group, but they never were like, okay, this is, like, positive ID. Like, we got the person we were going in for. They got the guy they were, well, sort of. They got one of the guy, or they got a few of the guys they were going in for. They didn't get all of the guys they were going in for. Um, but when the warlord, Adid, died, that was the, the next day General Garrison resigned. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need my honor dictates that I don't continue after, you know, my greatest failure doesn't need to be avenged anymore. Basically. Like I can't make up for my greatest failure anymore. So I'm out. Hmm. It was, uh, uh, all, all of these guys truly, well, I shouldn't say all, uh, I'll, I'll drop a, a fun bit of trivia on you guys. <laughs> that fun Grimes, uh, Ewan McGregor's character, uh, he's definitely based on a real person, although the name Grimes, Specialist Grimes, is a fictional name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was everyone who was there would tell you, oh, they're talking about this guy because like so many beats from his story that he was just a clerk and like a typist that got pulled in last minute. Even what he's wearing, like if you look at Ewan McGregor, he's wearing a different set of gear from the guys he's with. Because in reality, that specialist, when they pulled him in, there was no ranger gear left for him. So he had to grab a Delta vest because like, even though he wasn't a part of that team, he had to grab, that was the only extra gear they had. Um, And so it's definitely about this guy. Um, But the army asked if the studio would change his name. Because after getting out of the army, it turned out he was a child predator. Oh. And so the army was like, hey, would you change this name? And the studio was like, yeah, no problem. (laughs) That, did you guys feel like, I'm just going to shift away from that because that's just a huge bummer. Uh, It's a huge bummer, but I think it's, you know, it's a real thing. And I think it it deserves to be said. I don't want to, I want to be guilty of like over, like glorifying no, you yeah, know, these sure. people are like hero worship, like to an unhealthy degree. Like some, most of these guys were really good people. Who, I'll, I'll before we no, yeah. change away from it. Who Eric Bana's character, um, after uh, serving in Delta Force for a lot of years, uh, retired and became a federal air marshal, and he was an air marshal for a lot of years. Of course, this is you know after nine eleven, where the this is really important work, and he was an air marshal for a long time until he noticed in the opioid crisis of the last few years 
uh, veterans being disproportionately affected by the opioid crisis. So he went back to school, became a doctor, and now works for the VA in Florida, one of the VAs in Florida, uh, specializing in PTSD. So like an incredible hero. Not only was he a hero in this movie and all of that that was said, that was shown about him in this movie, people who were there have validated it that that's who he was. He was a hero. He's still a hero. So there are some heroes in this, but there were also just regular awful people. Just not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not a hero. Can can you imagine being Ewan McGregor and being like really proud of this role? (laughs) I'm not finding (laughs) out after. (laughs) Why did they change my name? (laughs) Oh, no, but did you, I was thinking about that character. I feel like they used him to like, kind of like ham up, like, because he was like, kept like grabbing things. Like, you don't need that. We're not going to be out there very long. Right. Don't take water. Don't yeah. take, and I was like, man, just because knowing you like, you know, what's going to happen. You're watching the movie. You know that it's not going to go according to plan. Otherwise they wouldn't have made a movie about it. And so you're like, man, uh, I, I just felt like they were hamming that up a little bit. Yeah. Like, don't take, take the ammo. Don't take the water. Don't take the night vision. <laughs> don't, don't take the armor. You don't need it. <laughs> that, that was though, a, a real part of the story. It was, you know, they, they really weren't expecting this to be a protracted, uh, conflict. And Garrison, when he, uh, you know, I, I've read general Garrison's report to, um, it, he kind of wrote an open letter to, uh, Clinton at the time. And, uh, I've read it and he really, you know, he takes all of the responsibility on himself. Um, but how these units work is they, you know, the, the general comes to, you know, these really specialized guys and says like, Hey, this is what we want to do. And what they do is those teams come up with, here's the plan. And they, they tell the general, this is how we're going to accomplish your objective. And so that all happened, but the general still took responsibility, even though it wasn't technically his plan, he still took responsibility for it because he was bringing in all and validating all of the plans that were being you know, submitted to him for all of these different teams to do their individual parts. Um, do you think Hoot felt bad for cutting in line? Uh, I after hope not. after Orlando Bloom's character died, I hope he didn't die. I hope not. He's the one that fell out of the helicopter. Yeah, but he he was like alive. Did he survive? Yeah, in the like right before our opening audio, he says, "I was talking to Blackburn today," and that was Orlando Bloom's character. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I think I think Blackburn survives. I don't know if he was like fine. <laughs> but he survived. I didn't. I didn't realize that until right now. I don't think he was one of the eighteen that died. Okay. Either way, do you think he felt bad? No. No. I hope like, not. Do you, I'd like to think. I mean, I wouldn't like to think, but it, like he fell out of the chopper because of the line cutting incident. <laughs> <laughs> this like when John, butterfly effect. When Somehow. Josh Hartnett's like, if yeah. he hadn't fallen, this wouldn't have happened. Uh huh. It's like if Hoot hadn't cut him in line. Yeah. This wouldn't have happened. So if Hoot hadn't have been out on that scouting mission and been extra hungry. <laughs> 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 A little target practice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about? Uh, I mean, this is a super, this like gets uh, like a lot of interest from like, you know, a lot of like film school type people for being a a hyper stylized movie, especially with color. Like this Mm -hmm. is really like unrealistic looking coloring for for a film. Um, Did you guys feel like in general you felt 
like some of the choices that Ridley Scott made kept you in the movie or pulled you out of the movie? There was a few times where like I noticed it and was thinking about it. Like when uh, it was at, they were trying to make it look like night vision and they had just like a ton, everything was green. Um, and I was like, but no one's even wearing night vision and this isn't from one of their perspectives. Like, no, that was when one of them put on night vision. It was, uh, right. That was the, they, they show them put on night vision and then they show the night vision. That was a different scene. There were two night vision scenes. It was a part of that, but it was before he put on the night vision. Like it was just like an overhead shot of the whole, like it wasn't from a person's perspective or anything. It was like an overhead shot of the whole thing and just everything was green. I don't think I thought about that. Um, there was there was a few times where it, it did both, where it took me out of the movie a little bit, and then times where it, it enhanced the movie a little bit. Um, I actually liked some of the use of coloring, and the um, the example that comes to mind that I, I thought was really interesting and, and really kind of compelling was when that last group of soldiers is, is just running, just uh. running for their base, and it's blue. It's yeah. like... Kind of light, but like very like stark blue, and and it's a very different color choice from all of the movie up to that point. Yeah, and there's children running around them, laughing, and it feels like a nightmare. Like it feels like you're just watching this like hellish nightmare. And then they finally get to their base, and then the coloring shifts really like quickly, and it's very stark. And I liked that. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a really cool way to add a little bit of like artistic flair to what's been a really straightforward film. There's some like editing um, that feels really like stuck in that period of like filmmaking. Sure. Where it was like, it would have some like quick slow-mo scenes to kind of like, especially and one in particular to your point, it was, there was a, there was a scene where like they're, they're in the middle of, you know, it, this is focused on the convoy. They're in the middle of a shootout and the frame, the frame just freezes on a sh- on a soldier as he's shooting, as he stops and realizes something, and and everything cuts out. The audio cuts out. The frame freezes on him, and then it cuts to what he's looking at, and it's just a severed hand, and he mm-hmm. just picks it up and puts it in his pouch. Yeah, but like that, I know what you mean. Like it's a, it it feels very much like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, and it, that doesn't really bother me. Um, I think in some ways it's kind of cool to go back and watch older movies and to kind of see like what worked back then you know what were people doing back then that hasn't really kept up over time um but those were a couple examples um never to the point where it really bothered me it made me sour on the movie really at all no i don't i guess i guess i'll say they worked for me because i don't think any there wasn't anything where i was like why'd they do that like I, i didn't have any moments like that so i guess i'd say it worked for me uh, going back to the, the hand scene, um, I'd like to think that that was just cause he wanted a trinket from the battlefield. Yeah, it, it was the watch. He wanted the watch <laughs> yeah. on the hand, you know, like, I don't have like, time to take it off. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like how Tom Sizemore in saving private Ryan would get sand from all the beaches. Right, I was about to say right. that exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was his like sand was the hand that had been severed. Um, a kind of a, just a, a little silly thing I thought. Did this movie, there's one point in particular, I feel like you're going to know what I'm talking about. Did it make you guys want to smoke at all? No. <laughs> no. A lot of movies make me want to have a cigarette. Uh, I've, I, you know, quit smoking cigarettes uh, some time ago. This is not one of those movies, though. There was that scene where the pilot had been taken captive. Uh-huh. And then the Somali guy offers uh-huh. him a cigarette. And he says, I forgot. 
None of you Americans smoke anymore. You all live long, dull, uninteresting lives. And then he lights up a cigarette, and I thought, man, you're like, Hell I yeah. should take up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I do live a dull life. <laughs> yeah, smoking would make my life interesting. I uh, I I feel like I didn't take a breath until I found out that that character ended up surviving. Right, Mike Duran. in the credits. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, thank God, something good happened. Because like they really, they really hit you at the end with their like the one of the last shots of the movie is the helicopter circling, saying, "We're not going to leave you behind. We're not yeah. going to leave you behind." Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that guy's still he's captured, still, and like, that he was, didn't get out. That was, I think, the the scariest part of the movie for me was when those two snipers had been killed, and then that oh. guy's out, and then you see the crowd come in and it's so claustrophobic. And then they, and, and my thought was just like, well, he's just, they're going to kill him. And then we find out that he's being interrogated and then like, that just doesn't get picked up again. I'm just like, so is he screwed? That sucks. Like the last thing we see is him pull out a picture of his child and wife. I'm really for it. sad right now. Yeah. Which, yeah. which by the way, uh, that picture, uh, they got to shooting and the art department had forgotten to get a photo of a wife and child. Uh-huh. So those are actually Eric Bana's wife and child. That's oh, a really? photo that he brought to shooting with him for himself and they were like oh shoot we forgot a prop and he was like well i guess you can use my picture you're not gonna like step on it though right (laughs) it's gonna get ruined it it did yeah it got ruined imagine being eric banna watching this over and like seeing that horrific scene and it's your own wife and child that's that's intense it was very intense honestly we talked about it earlier but but i've i've thought a lot about it over the last you know i guess 12 hours um, the fact about how many non-Americans are used in this. And actually, I, I think I've decided that I, it makes sense to me because it would be hard having now seen this movie. It, I think it would be hard for me as an American to try and act to do this justice when this is like my people. And there is a little bit of a like, well, at least like this isn't my people that I'm representing, you know, like because, you know, in acts of great heroism, but also great fear, like it's hard to tell that story honestly, you know. In fact, uh, uh, it was it was something like 12 of the Delta Force guys, and I think it was about 40 of the actors in this movie that played um, Rangers went to two weeks of intense training. Uh, all the Rangers went to a to a base that my brother was a part of for a long time, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And all the Delta Force guys went to a base uh, that he's also been at uh, in North Carolina. And uh, the guys that went to ranger school they went to two weeks of a ranger school at fort campbell kentucky on the last day every single one of the cast had a note anonymously pushed under their door that said uh please be true to our story signed by all 19 or 18 of the men that lost their lives um so there was a lot of like weight on these actors going into this of like 
being being true to this story. And in fact, after it was done, of course, you know, Department of Defense was involved with making the movie. And as soon as it was finished, the first people that got to see it were the uh, survivors of this battle and all of the current 160th SOAR, 5th Group, 3rd Group, Delta, and uh, uh, Dev Group, SEAL Team 6. So the first people to see it were the people who either lived through it or were living through the global war on terror in that in those type of roles. And so there was a lot of like weight on these actors. And I can't imagine being an American trying to like live up to that weight. I feel like it must have been easier as an Australian or a British guy or you know, a Scottish guy must have been easier to live up to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an actor, so I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how that. <laughs> Do you think? Never mind. It's <laughs> about to be disrespectful. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been I I've been plenty respectful. We can be a little irreverent. I was going to talk about like method acting. Oh yeah, that any of them like like decided to like Did method act to this? Decide to go conduct operations in Somalia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, is that Orlando Bloom? <laughs> why, is, why is Orlando Bloom booking a lot of flights to... What is Legolas doing? <laughs> he just keeps jumping out of helicopters. But with but with like long blonde hair and pointy ears. Yeah. Because yeah. he was probably filming, was filming Lord of the Rings Lord when this came out. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. did Lord of the Rings first come out? I think 2001. The same year. Yeah, right yeah. around the oh, same okay. time. Yeah. That was a, an impressive run for Orlando Bloom at that time. Also, was oh, yeah. episode one out? Like, was Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi when this movie came out? Mm, it would have... That would have been 2000. I thought it came out 2000. I think right around 1999. Yeah, 99 or 2000 yeah. so he was already right mm-hmm. around this i think he i think he signed up for all three projects at the same time basically yeah kind of crazy that at one point josh hartnett was like a big deal yeah <laughs> yeah i think i brought up on this podcast like what happened to josh hartnett can someone check up on him a couple of uh-huh. seasons ago and uh then he just showed up in uh in uh best Op- picture nom this year yeah. oppenheimer yeah Oh, I forgot he was. There were too many people in that movie too mm-hmm. to remember who was in it. Yeah, did you guys see that Oppenheimer picked up thirteen nominations? That's mm-hmm. a lot. I did. So yeah. one shy of Return of the King. That's a lot. <laughs> I doubt it'll sweep though. I don't think it'll sweep like Return of the King did. I, I agree I with think you. It, I think it might. Uh, I don't know. There've been so many other like. I mean, I haven't seen uh, Poor Things yet. Uh huh. But everyone is like raving about it i haven't seen that that's the one with emma stone yeah, yeah i haven't seen that one yet either <laughs> did you did just you? rate this one star <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that scott did that while we weren't looking i'm so glad zach saw it i didn't really i'm not signed in so i didn't keep it i just like doing that and then hitting x yeah. i i love that you do it i really do <laughs> all right well what do you guys say we put this one to bed let's do it uh Tyler, you're going to be up first. Yeah, I'm going to give this uh, an 8.4 uh, uh, blood veins or vessels that uh, or arteries that that uh, crawl up into hips. Yeah, this, this would have been definitely uh, an irreverent thing to say, but I thought that uh, we should just use all the screaming from that scene for opening up. <laughs> that would be very irreverent, but yep. Jake, you're up. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, 7.8 Elvis songs. 
Mm. I'm going to give this uh, eight even severed hands. And I'll give this 8.2 guys who really care about coffee in the midst of warfare. (laughs) It's all about the grind. (laughs) I watched that. I was like, that'd be me. (laughs) (laughs) You're like literally me. (laughs) This comes out to an 81% and uh, I don't have. Oh, you haven't. uh, We don't know yet. Oh, there it is. Comes out to movie number 56. 56. Is that better or worse than you thought, Ty? Uh, no, this is about what I figured. About on par. Yeah, about on par for what I figured. We were pretty, pretty clustered, I would say. Yeah, I, I know that I like this movie more than the average bear, but like, so I'm not surprised that I was the highest rated on it. But, uh, yeah, every, everyone's vote. I was like, yeah, that's, that's valid and fair. I feel like, uh, going into this, knowing the rotten tomato and IMDb, uh, I feel like that's a little low, like. I don't mm. think it deserves to be as low as it is. You, you should feel write like them. Ours is a little lower. Theirs, no, theirs. Like oh. a high seven was. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, they're both at seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah, both at seventy-seven. Seems a little low I, for this movie. I I think I agree with you. I think I think it did a better job than than maybe the masses give it credit for. I think it's it's one of the better war movies that I've seen. It's my number two. It's it's in close contention for number two between this and Fury. Mm, okay. Number one you know, is Saving Private. Ryan. I, liked, I still haven't. I think seen I liked this more than Fury. Fury. I haven't seen Fury either. Well, it it'll. I think we're about able to nominate it. I, so we might already. I think, already I think it came out. Yeah. It came out when I was like uh, freshman or sophomore in college. Oh, okay. So probably. Yeah, I think it's ready to. Be I was about to watch it the other day, but I'll wait. Yeah, wait, because I'll I'll nominate next year. I mean, I sure. also haven't seen it. and I probably won't. So if you want to watch it now, you can. Because I uh, I was. <laughs> I was going, they were doing a free screening while I was at UCR for students, mm-hmm. but then I saw that I had to wait. It was like an early screening, like a week early, but I would have had to wait in like a three hour long line. I was like, I'm good. And then I never saw it. Uh, so I probably should have waited in that line. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, next week we're going to Zach's movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what's we, that? Uh, it's a movie called Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, a better car movie than I think any movie we watched last season. Yes. What? I had a lot of things to, to say about how you were picking another car movie, <laughs> but you kind of stepped on it. So I uh, hold uh, on to it. Well, I, I wanted to do a good one. Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.